that self-centeredness and in Christ it gets removed but then every day we have to figure out how do we walk in this and that's why serving other people being people of the word being people of prayer being people of worship being people who continually find ourselves involved in things that are bigger than just ourselves and our own kingdom making so to speak is such an essential part of Christian discipleship It's easy to decide that you want to make changes to your life, but it's a whole other thing to actually do it. New Year's resolutions are a great example of how the plan doesn't always become the reality. Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares some practical steps that will help you actually operate out of God's wisdom. Choosing to focus on others is one of these things. Serving other people will help you break free from the selfish, prideful wisdom of the world. Now here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 3 as he continues his message, Heavenly Wisdom. You know, I remember, I think I've told this story before, when I first got saved, my two buddies, Mike and Jeff, were really instrumental in me coming to know Jesus. They're guys that I grew up with. And when when I got saved, my buddy uh, Mike gave me two books. He gave me a study Bible, And then he gave me a book called Humility by Andrew Murray. (laughs) Now, me and Mike had known each other for a long time. And I got a feeling that Mike had bought that book like 15 years earlier. I was just waiting for the time when he could just like pass that thing across the table and be like, bro, you got a pride problem, you know? But what's beautiful is, is that when you walk with people and you serve alongside people, People call you on that stuff. People who love you are like, hey, you might need to look at that. Hey, the way you responded there, you might want to look at that. Hey, I I think God has something better for you. I remember when I first started really walking with the Lord, um, I was serving in a church, and a lot of things that were in my life that God was working on, God used older men and women to speak into. Like, at one time, I was, my living situation, I wasn't living in the best place, and I was really starting to serve a lot, and I had an elder come to me and say, hey, you know, Daniel, I, th- I think it's time for you to move out of that living situation. That's not good for you. And I believe it's going to hold you back from what God has for you. And what was cool is he didn't just bring me a problem, my living situation, which wasn't a great situation, you know, but he also said, actually, and I talked to a, a guy in the church, he's got an open room, he'll let you live there. How much is your rent? He literally like worked out like, you could move right now if you want to. And I was just like, thank you. And he's like, no, no, I believe God has something. But he would never have known my living situation if what? I wasn't serving. I wasn't walking, hey, where do you live? So what's your living situation? Like, hey, how's that thing going? And I believe that God wants that for all of us. So I want to encourage you. It's so exciting in this season to see so many people plugging in. We want to be a, because Jesus is real, a family of faith who's fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. And I believe that serving Jesus in the midst of a local church is a great area to be. It's, it's, like, a, it's like going to the gym spiritually. Did you ever go to the gym before? <laughs> that was like, no. <laughs> Why would I want to do that, Fusco? 
But like when you go to the gym, it's like you're getting worked out. And sometimes it's sore. Sometimes it makes you sore. But it actually accomplishes something. And, and for each one, like God wants to do a work in your life. But I'm here to tell you, the work that God wants to do happens in the context of relationships. And so get plugged on in. Because we want our conduct to show the wisdom of the home. And I'm here to tell you that if Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all, then you really can't be a part of the kingdom if you're not serving at some. Right? It's like these go together. And when we hold the wisdom of Jesus, we end up grabbing hold of, I want to be a part of other people's lives. I want to be self-giving the way Jesus is self-giving. Now, James right away, after he says that like our conduct should show that we do these works in the humility or the meekness of wisdom. But look what he says in verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. So right away he's saying, we want our conduct to show that we are living out this wisdom that we have, but right away you can always tell if that wisdom isn't there because the motivation for what we're doing, here he uses the words envy and self-seeking. Right Now, this reminds me of Romans chapter 13, verses 13 and 14, where the Apostle Paul says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So you see how what James is doing and what Paul just did is he's saying that when you walk with Jesus, there are qualities of life that are like, yes, this is what it means to walk with you. And then there are qualities of life that it's like, oh yeah, if you believe in Jesus, that's not the quality of your life. Paul says, let us walk properly as in the day. And then he says, not in revelry, which is the idea of just kind of perversity, just like whatever, right? Drunkenness, obviously being under the influence of anything under, other than the power of the Holy Spirit not in lewdness and lust, so not in uh, a life that lacks self-control in the ways that we speak and the way that we act, the way that we govern our God-given desires, not in strife and envy. So really, walking properly has nothing to do with conflict. That's what strife is. And then envy, of course, is being jealous of what someone else has. Right? And, and so he's saying that all of these things are not walking properly, but he's saying that if you're walking those things, you need to put on Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And now you put that together with what we just heard and look at what James is saying here. He's saying, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking, verse 14, in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Now listen, verse 15. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly sensual and demonic for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Now, what we learn here is we have to beware of earthly wisdom. There's a type of wisdom that James is unpacking that we saw Paul spoke about as well that is a way of this is how you're supposed to live but James says it is not heavenly wisdom, which we're going to see in a moment, but it's earthly wisdom. And the problem with the earthly wisdom is that it is totally self-centered. That's the problem with it. Because if you think about these ideas, because he says it in verse 14, 
bitter envy and self-seeking. Verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist. So there is a type of wisdom, a wisdom that is earthly. I mean, there's, there's three characteristics or adjectives to this type of wisdom. Notice that this wisdom that's not from above, right, it's earthly, sensual, and it's demonic. Now, let's start with the last one. You notice that word demonic? Now, isn't it interesting? Didn't James speak about our speech as being potentially demonic? And then earlier, he says that faith without works, even the demons believe and they tremble. So it's interesting that James, all the way through this book, is saying there's a way of living life that is actually not inspired by the Spirit of God. It's actually demonic. And this wisdom that's not from above, this earthly, carnal wisdom, it's sensual. It has to do with our desires unchecked. This is also demonic. And it is characterized by a self-centeredness a pride, because it's driven by envy. You have what I want. Let me take it from you. And it's driven by selfish ambition. Now notice, there's a difference between ambition and selfish ambition, right? Like, I believe all of us should be ambitious to get at the things God created us for. But selfish ambition says, I will do what I need to do to get what I want, no matter what it does for you. See, in both envy and Selfish ambition, the problem is it's about me over we. And right as we begin living, it's about me over we, now we're running into a type of wisdom that is demonic, it is carnal, and it is not something that should drive our conduct. Now here's the deal. You might say, oh man, Fusco, this is serious, and I wish everybody in our culture would hear this. Listen, James is talking to Christian people. So long before we get into how everyone else should deal with this, we have to ask ourselves, how is selfish ambition and envy playing into the way I am organizing my life? How often do we make decisions that are really about us at the expense of other people? Me as compared to you, me as compared to we. And what we find is that as followers of Jesus, Jesus did everything for God's glory and the blessings of people. You think about the cross of Jesus Christ. There's no more profound example of somebody who did something for other people that they didn't deserve. But what's amazing is you think about this envy and selfish ambition, that is the wisdom of our culture. And it's the wisdom of our culture in every sphere. Now, I was was thinking about this, and I get nervous when I think like this because my brain, not nervous for me, nervous for you all. Uh, Because, you know, I start start playing with these ideas. It's kind of the way God ministers to me. And I was thinking about this idea, like we live in a society that we call it's capitalistic, right? Now, now you think about, capitalism is a lot of different things, but at the most basic level, it's the belief that the marketplace is a place where competition creates better products at less money, right? And that's what, at at a core, that's what capitalism does. And if you create a product and a lot of people like it, you can make a phenomenal living. Now, on its most basic level, that's actually like a good thing. It's kind of like if, and that's why we have anti-monopoly laws, right? Like, Like if all there was was one place to get Twinkies from, 
I had to think of a good example. Then they can make poor quality Twinkies not possible and they can charge exorbitant rates for it. So because you have multiple people making Twinkies, you get the best Twinkie at the cheapest price. It'll last through a nuclear fallout and still taste delicious and everyone's fine. And so, so the marketplace helps us to drive prices down and quality up, right? That's not a bad thing, right? That's a good thing. But the problem becomes is when in the name of capitalism, people just want to make money on you no matter what. And then you get into things like price gouging and price fixing and all these different things, which are, that's not what capitalism is meant to be, but the problem isn't the system. The problem is the human hearts that drive the system. And that's true of every system. Every system makes sense on paper until fallen humanity gets involved. And then every system can be exploited to hurt people. So like in our day and age, as it relates to capitalism, I'm not making any political statements about it. I'm just thinking through like, this is the world that we live in here, where we live in the United States. And these are the dynamics. So you have some people who are like, listen, the problem with capitalism is people who are rich can make more money. And that's the problem. And really what they're saying is, but really they should make money, but I want them to give it to me. Now guess what? On both sides, what do you have? Envy and selfish ambition. You have, I want what you have. So like, What's amazing is, is when you look at the political stuff of it, you're like, oh, both sides have envy and selfish. Like, so for somebody who would use their position to impoverish people and take what's theirs in the name of capitalism, it's like, it's not the capitalism problem, it's a human heart problem, but it's still the foundation is a earthly demonic wisdom that is self-centered. So what's funny is either side of every aisle, you still have self-centeredness and envy. And brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus, because of our faith in Jesus, what God wants to do is he wants to remove from us that self-centeredness. And in Christ, it gets removed. But then every day we have to figure out, how do we walk in this? And that's why serving other people, being people of the word, being people of prayer, being people of worship, being people who continually find ourselves involved in things that are bigger than just ourselves and our own kingdom making, so to speak. It's such an essential part of Christian discipleship. And it's also why it's so challenging today because left up to our own devices, people have a tendency to be self-centered and self-seeking. That's what I see in my own heart, unfortunately. You could find yourself being like, I just need to take care of me. I need to do this for me. This helps me. And even if it hurts you, it helps me. So let's do it. And God is saying, no, no. I want to change that whole mindset. But it shows what's in our heart because our conduct, the content of our conduct comes out of the type of wisdom that we hold. And so listen to what the Apostle Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So really what we're going to see here is now James is moving us into this idea of why is there conflicts amongst people? And really what he's saying is that the reason there's conflicts is because we're all selfish. That's the problem. So if you're having conflicts in your marriage, guess what? You have a selfishness problem. Now I know you're thinking... I know that my spouse is selfish. But I'm here to tell you, your spouse is probably thinking the same thing. If you're having conflicts with your parents, guess what? There's a selfishness problem. I know you're thinking, I know my parents are selfish. They're thinking you're selfish. 
If you have conflicts on your job, see, really what's boiling down to is when everybody is out for themselves, if it's me above we, there's always going to be conflict. And that is the wisdom that is not from above, it's from below. And it's earthbound. It's unregenerate. It's unspiritual. It's fleshly. And it's demonic. Why? Because the demonic realm is bent on separation, division. I always said the flesh divides, but grace, what? Brings together. And as people, and I realize everyone in here, we have people here in our sanctuary, lots of you, lots of people online right now. I realize not everybody here is a Christian, right? Now, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, I love that you're thinking through this because you're living in a world, you're seeing envy. I want what you have. I'm jealous of it and I want it. And selfish envy, you're seeing that everywhere. You don't have to be a Christian to see that. But here's what I tell you. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I think you should be a Christian because if you look in your own heart, you have envy and self-centeredness in there too. And Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of that. That's why I believe in Jesus. I realize that I'm self-centered. Now, I don't want to stay that way, but I needed forgiveness for that. And I need forgiveness for that. But here's the deal. If you're here and you are a Christian, you have to say, Lord, will you root out the self-centeredness in my heart? Root out the envy in my heart. Root out my selfish ambition. Not a God's kingdom ambition, but my own kingdom making, my own, this is what I want. Now, someone's bound to say, well, Daniel, doesn't God want good things for me? Yes, he does. But we have a tendency to want good outcomes, but not follow God to get there. We have a tendency to say, doesn't God want me to be able to retire? Well, maybe. But how you get there matters. I always say, God, like, we love the outcome, but God loves the process. God wants to build character in the process. And part of what's going on is we have a tendency to want a good, what we consider a godly outcome, but we actually don't want to follow Jesus in the process to get there. And that's this kind of earthly wisdom. It's funny, me and my son were just talking about this. We were, you know, because we work out together. It's a, listen, scary thing to work out with a teenager who's young and strong and bounces back so quickly. But we were talking about uh, steroids, you know? Not because he wants to do it. He knows that I did. That's why I'm so buff. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but he was saying, he's like, you know, yeah. He's like, he was like, you know, this, you know people use steroids and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because like, people want the gains without the character. And I'm like, and that's true. I'm like, that's just not true in like bodybuilding. That's true in every area. Like people want an outcome without the character that gets them there. Like everybody wants to be Christ-like, but nobody wants to serve somebody. Everybody wants to be like Jesus in church, but nobody wants to have to die to themselves so that others might be blessed, right? We just want the outcome, but the process to get there, that's a daily thing that God is working on. Because we were talking about it, because he was like, you know, Dad, do, you know, should I be taking pre-workout? I'm like, no, you don't need any of that. Dude, you're, you're, like, you're perfectly made by God to, to be healthy. Like, you're good. You don't need anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. He's like, it takes a while. I'm like, yeah, like all good things. And so much of life is, will I continue to move forward doing the things that I know are right and not take the shortcuts that come from this type of wisdom that is carnal, earthly, demonic? And and look at what James says here, because he says, he says at verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Now, don't miss that. Where there is self-centeredness in the heart of people, there is confusion and every evil thing is there. You see that? Not some of the, all of the evil of humanity is found in self-centeredness. But then look what he says, verse 17. 
He says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. For the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And, and, and really what we learn here is that heavenly wisdom is unique. It's unique here because it's not like the earthly wisdom that is rooted in a motivation of self-centeredness. But now he's saying, but the wisdom that is from above, which is the wisdom that Jesus came to inaugurate through his life and his death and his resurrection, a wisdom that is given by the Spirit, that wisdom is unique because it's pure, it's unmixed. It has no selfishness in it. But not only is it pure, it's also peaceable. It has all the things that make for peace, that sustain peace, that, that, that initiate peace. It's gentle. So I'll be honest, that characteristic, it's gentle, kind of stopped me in my tracks. Because, and I've talked about it before, part like my personality, the way that I was raised, I wasn't raised in like a gentle environment. I have a friend who is the Metro director for a, uh, uh, what used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ, now it's called Crew, in the, in the Jersey metro area. And they used to go to their conferences and they used to have these shirts that say, Jersey Crew, where the weak are killed and eaten. You know, and he used to laugh. He's like, people would be like, they, they'd do one, like, whatever you don't send us to Jersey. You know, and so like, I was raised in an environment where it's like, it's a, like we joke, yeah, the weak are killed and eaten here in Jersey, you know? And, and so I wasn't raised in a gentle environment. But my savior is meek and gentle. And where there isn't gentleness, it's not the wisdom from above. So I'm seeing like in my own socialization, in my personality, I'm like, oh, hold on a second. If I am functioning with this heavenly wisdom, then gentleness would be there. And anytime I have to, through force of will, try and get something done, it's not the wisdom from above. Because not only, I mean, I will just look at your Bibles. Look, look at verse 17. This list is so awesomely challenging and you know it's spiritual, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield. Gosh! There's like three of you in here who are willing to yield. Listen, sometimes I go out after service and I watch people trying to let people out of the parking lot. I'm like, man, we need a Holy Ghost revival in Crossroads. No one's willing to yield. It says yield, it means go faster, right? I'm going to get out of the, the parking lot 13 seconds before you. But it says, it's, it's, like the peace, the wisdom from above is willing to yield. It's willing to say, not my will, but yours be done, God. Hey, if that's what you really think, maybe we should do that. It's full of mercy and good fruits. Mercy is not giving people what they deserve. Jesus is Gentleness seems to be in short supply today. Just think about what you see on social media. Would you characterize people's comments as peace, seeking, or gentle? Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's message by unpacking the wisdom of God. The book of James described it as pure, peace-laden, gentle, and willing to yield. So what do you think? Is your life characterized by these qualities? If not, you're not alone. We're all a work in progress. Don't be discouraged. Instead, yield to Jesus and let him develop these characteristics in you. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Come back next time when Pastor Daniel continues this series called Where the Rubber Meets the Road. It's all about how to truly live out your faith in your everyday moments. Honestly, this can be a struggle because it requires lots of humility. Pastor Daniel invites you to join him in unpacking this essential characteristic. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.